0: This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. Learning FileMaker through standard training guides is all well and good, but some of the most exciting moments come through just tinkering, or as today's guest John Renfrew puts it, learning through the non-logical path. As a community, innovative techniques comes from tinkering in FileMaker, And for individuals, tinkering with sample files from blog posts and in the community embeds hooks in us, allowing us to quickly access those techniques or skills we tinkered with in the past. John Renfrew, our first cross-continent guest, joins me today. Though he brought the topic to me, I've wanted to talk about this for some time. Tinkering in FileMaker playing with functions and script steps and security settings is what gives individuals aha ha moments, and both John and I recommend tinkering as much as you can. John gives us a lot of good advice on how to tinker, with what to tinker, and the attitude that makes tinkering valuable. Welcome, John, to the Context Podcast. How are you today?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Jeremy. It's, um, finally, it's a sunny afternoon in the UK. We've had a lot of rain for the last few weeks. So this is, uh, it's a good afternoon. Yeah, thank you. I didn't know that the sun ever shined there. Is that... We keep it a secret. It's not, you know, it's not California or Florida. That's why we come to those places for holidays. Um, <laughs> but it can <laughs>
0: shine. Okay. Okay. So there's sunshine. I've not. I've never been. So uh, I, you know, I can't really speak about it. But um, well, I, I'm glad to get you on the podcast. Um, we're we always are looking for great guests and great topics. And uh, when you and I talked, you had a great idea in mind. It actually fits very nicely with what we do here at the Context Podcast. Before we do that, though, I'd like you to introduce yourself and just um, tell, us, tell us a little bit about you. And tell us your Myers-Briggs personality profile, if you would, please.
1: Yes, th- yes thank you. So um, obviously, I'm John Renfrew and I live in the UK. So I think I might be the first um, outside American uh, podcast uh, person, which is a really great privilege. Thank you. Um, so I' really quick in terms of life, I trained initially to be what you understand as a kindergarten teacher with maths and creative arts as my specialities. Um, I taught there for a while. I also taught in secondary education children who had learning difficulties and problems with language uh, as a result. Um, but I was a creative at heart and so I kind of ran away to join the theater and ended up working in rock and roll as a tool manager and lighting designer and kind of more on the technical side, but very much managing events, um, which led to me setting up a company essentially to put projection into big events. Um, and that's where I met Farmaker, and so I just uh, was one of those. We now call them an in-house developer, don't we? Um, I just I created my own Farmaker systems to run the business, And ended up um, working in the car industry, um, helping launch very lovely cars all the way around the world. And FileMaker was my tool of choice. And then about 10 years ago, what we shall describe generously as some naughty bankers um, (laughs) kind of ruined the economy globally. And the car industry became a very bad place to be. I was looking for things to do. So I decided I might as well see if my farmaker skills were any good and went off and got certified and that's when i first came to devcon and started to get introduced to the community so and since then i've that's what i now do I the whole of the business has shifted gear and i just do farmaker development for my own customers but i also do specialist things for other farmaker shops so that's me Nice. Uh, what was your Myers Briggs personality? Okay, question? so so I'm an I N T P. That's uh, so the first letter obviously is we always think is the important one, but it, the whole thing uh, it 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 boils down to one word phrase. It's logician. Um, I, described often as one of only three percent of the population have this. Um, and the kinds of people who are this are quite proud of the fact that they're an outsider and only one of a very small percentage of the population. But I... So there's an interesting thing. I I first... I've been working uh, with a friend. Her husband was a policeman. He said, the guy you work with, he's very interesting, and he, in the police force, they do bellbin, which is a teams... Uh, the same kind of thing as Myers-Briggs, but it's based around teams. And I did the uh, quiz or whatever you call it, and came out as a plant, which is a really interesting thing. That's the kind of creative part of, of uh, Bellbin, But also as a specialist, and that, that helped me start a journey where I began to try and find words which helped me understand what my personality was. Because I think before that point... I hadn't really understood myself in a way that I could talk about it to other people and the skill set I said I had. So I did that. I have a friend that's a Myers Briggs specialist. So I did Myers Briggs, but I also did this thing called Strengths Finder. Yeah. Uh, which, so the interesting thing about Strengths Finder is, is it changes the conversation to what are you good at? But the most fascinating thing is when you 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 do the test and you go, okay, here's your top five things, I'll tell you what those are in a moment. But the interesting thing is when you read the chapters on the things that you are not, usually you get about 10 words in and then you stop understanding what, what it's about because it's not you. And then you read the thing that is about you and you go, how do they know that? How How does somebody possibly know that I collect books just because of this? Well, it's because all the people who are like that are the kinds of people who will have a house full of books. So, And that really helped me, I think, on a journey of, of understanding that the jobs that I had begun to do and the way that I do the jobs is very much based on the bits which other people can see are inside you. So my strengths finder is ideation, strategic, command, learner and restorative. Which is a very interesting combination because it basically says has clever ideas has enough understanding about how to make it work then has the strength of character to make it work and while he's doing that learns all the things he needs to do to make it work along the way so it's a recipe for being utterly self-contained oddly and then you mix that with the myers-briggs eye and it says self-contained doesn't like talking to other people so Lives in an office all by himself, and is quite happy with that kind of world. So,
0: I yeah, John, you you mentioned your strengths finder. I took that many years ago. I think it's an interesting thing. We should. Uh, I'll I'll see if I can find mine, and and I'll I'll ping you the results so <laughs> you can learn no, a
1: little bit about. No, me. I, I think it's a it's a good way to start. If you've done it, you understand it's a good way to start a conversation with people because it focuses. <laughs> On strength, it doesn't say, "Oh, I can't do this and I can't do this." It says, "Hey, this is what I am and this is what I'm good at," and somebody else says, "This is what I'm good at," and you understand that there's things I can't do, and it's interesting to find the people who could fit well with me and provide a balance in work generally. We should we should do that at, at Claris Engage. You know, our new. It feels if as I was thinking about the questions, it felt like there are some sessions, and obviously they're not traditional technical let's talk about coding sessions but the conference has become much more business and person focused as well so
0: today's episode is brought to you by fm perception you're working hard and in the zone writing scripts defining schema and building layouts you stumble on a calculated field you didn't remember defining where is it used can you delete it What did your past self intend to do with this field? Well, without breaking your momentum or thought stream, you can turn to FM Perception to tell exactly where that field is used in scripts, on layouts, or in a calculation somewhere. You can find out if it is safe to delete or whether it should be kept. FM Perception is the only real-time developer intelligence tool for FileMaker developers. FM perception exposes every detail of your FileMaker database structure. You can find out where fields are used, where scripts are used. You can discover every place, any script step or any function, including execute SQL, is used throughout your system. And you can easily see broken references. FM perception also gives you insight into areas of your system that are a little bit more tricky to find and discover. For example, you can see areas of indirection all the places you use global variables and those names, and even index indicators, those fields that are indexed intentionally or otherwise. FM Perception's power is in its speed. You don't need to stop and wait for an import to happen before you can get the answers to your FileMaker questions. Simply run an XML database design report and open Download the 14-day trial of FM Perception and experience yourself real-time developer intelligence. Well, the strength finder and who you are goes into our topic for today because it's about what you brought to this episode is the idea of learning FileMaker um, and not just learning, but tinkering and experimenting and futzing around. Um, you, you, you had this really great, great idea. We, we on the Context Podcast have talked about concepts of FileMaker. I, I talked with Todd about that. I'm big into concepts. I think that people should learn concepts over techniques um, so that they understand the platform better and, and how it works. I've talked with Josh Ormond about things to learn. I also talked with Beverly about that. But what you want to talk about is just like tinkering in FileMaker and how to tinker right you're going to give us some advice on that
1: right yeah yeah a little bit i mean i i think it's it's to be fair it is to do with my personality and i understand that people who are nowhere near like me won't have either even thought about this or it's not in their it's not in their zone you know there are some people who like certainty people prefer to learn in different ways and so this in the sense this is highly personal because it's just well this is what I do but what I have learned from the community is that when everybody shares their little oh, well this is what I do I you know I I live in my little shack and I do this clever stuff and here it is that we all learn from each other mm-hmm. Because we don't have the same approach, we don't have the same starting point, we don't have the same customers, we don't have the same experience. And nowadays, as you're quite aware, it's the FileMaker plus. So what is the other plus that somebody has that I haven't got that would help me? What is the plus that I have that might help somebody else? I
0: I fully agree with you. I think I'm a tinkerer. I talked with uh, Kevin Frank about that one time and just how... I've got on my computer a, 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 data, a folder full of probably eight or nine hundred separate database files where I just tinker around and, and download something from the internet, play with it, see
1: what it does, and, and, and file it away. Uh, do you? I've, do, I've done it today. Okay, Wim Decor has just published a really great blog post on Soliant about working with OAuth and um, Microsoft. 365 okay and there's a sample file so I downloaded the sample file the first thing I did wasn't to try and make it work but was to open it up and see what was happening and see if I if I fiddle with this does it break it so my my method all the time is take something that somebody's put open it try and work out what's happening and see if I can break it. Because when I break it, I can then learn how to understand how to put it back together again. It's a very weird, perverse kind of mentality, <laughs> I know. But it's it's in the fixing that we sometimes, or the trying to improve, that we can learn such a lot. Okay, well, it's, well, let's, uh,
0: let's, let's get into the meat of this. So you advocate, and, and other people do, for just playing around in FileMaker can you describe you mentioned this as personal as part of your personality. Can you uh, walk us through that tinkering time that you do at probably late Friday night? I assume you don't go out. You don't, it's 7pm, it's, uh, it's, it's <laughs> 8pm okay. through 1am, you know, describe that that process, describe your time, your session.
1: To be fair, Jeremy, it stopped just being a Friday <laughs> night, and it's it's a pretty much constant activity and obviously, I don't want people to run away with the idea that I have no actual life like lots of programmers i it started let me tell you where it started. I was doing a project for somebody that's still a client. this is ten years ago nearly um and they ran a conference and based on various things um, people were going to stay in three or four locations and they wanted to send out a personalized pdf that included a link to the accommodation site some of it was university accommodation some of its private accommodation and uh, i just so happened to watch a video from matt petrowski um, about something that he was doing that was similar that introduced me to uh, a particular library in Scriptmaster, that can manage PDF files. So, the, the first thing is start where somebody else has started because download the file, see if the blog post, or in this case, the video, see if you can make it work, and then immediately try and do one thing that changes what's happening. Whether the, So, you know, in programming terms, this is our hello world moment, isn't it? Can you put hello world on the screen with a language that you've just learned? Success, yay, have a cup of tea. Next thing is, can you put it in a different place on the screen? Can you change the font size? Can you change the colour? Can you change the position on the screen? Can you make it spin round? Can you make it go backwards? What you know, whatever is if it's if it's in a some, I don't know, Dreamweaver or is it in Flash or something years ago? Could you could you do something else with it? Immediately start changing how it works to see if something that you do has a recognisable result that you can say, "Okay, I changed that. I can see that that's the new result. And that, that is the core of where you start. Take something, whether it's a blank thing like a template or something like that, or a fully formed file that somebody's put up on the internet for you to have a look at. Okay, see if you can make it work. And then instantly see what you can change and that's the, that's the root, I think, of that experimenter's mentality, because you're then saying, I need to, for my case, I want to understand what's happening enough so that I can then make conscious choices because I'm trying to move it in a different direction to a different place to get a different result. And that's how that project started. It meant I had to learn some Java that I didn't know. It meant I had to learn this library that I didn't know. It meant I had to learn a few other things that I didn't know. And for me, that's really exciting. The more I get to learn, the more heavily invested I am in a project. But essentially, it was start in a known place and see if you can change something and if you can start to move yourself nearer to where you think you could be or you'd like to be or you need to be based on whatever the problem you're trying to solve is and that that seems to be a repeatable philosophy start somewhere that works break it do something else keep moving keep moving keep moving and then the issue is what else do you need to learn around it do you need another language do you need to read some books do you need to go and look at another website that isn't a maker website to learn what you need to learn that and ultimately that's that's where we are so Anytime anybody puts something up that I think is interesting, and it doesn't matter who it is, I'm not bothered whether that person is seen as a sort of superstar of the maker mentality, Um, I'll try and break their work. The point about the collaborative sharing nature of other communities is that you put up work and say, hey, this is how far I've got. And when somebody else comes back and says, hey, I've changed this, or that doesn't quite work, what about this? You don't see it as a personal threat. You see it as we're all improving the ground level for everybody, and that I think that's an important part of. You just have to go in with that mentality. So I'll, I'll speak personally too for a little
0: bit. I'm in the middle of my beginner stages in React JS. I'm doing a lot. Todd is he's basically pushed me into the deep end. Of learning. That's one way to learn, <laughs> by the way, is get pushed into the deep end. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm. What I'm. What I'm doing is, I. I feel like I'm a pretty beginner at it, getting closer to intermediate. And I'm just grabbing people's libraries from npm from GitHub, and I'm tinkering with them. I'm seeing what I can do with them. And I'm a beginner at this. I. I, I want to know what you think about who are the people that should be tinkering, grabbing files from different sites from the community. Are are these people who are Let's talk about, we'll, we'll set personality aside for a moment. I want to talk about experience level. Are are these people the advanced users? Would Are beginners, do, do beginners benefit from doing this? Should beginners stay back from just random tinkers? Who should be doing this?
1: As an educator, and so are you, my view is everybody should be being taught to, to be comfortable um, with a space where this... Uh, where this is going on Uh, there's a well understood educational model around it's called cognitive dissonance when you when you approach a point in the world where either your own understanding or your own knowledge runs out how do you deal with what happens Um, as people we want to be in a place where everything's known and is all comfortable we don't love being in a space where everything is unknown but being pushed into a place Uh, where things are not known leads to two processes accommodation and assimilation so first of all you get comfortable with a new idea and then you make the new idea part of what you are and what you have in learning so in learning terms yes you need to know all of the basics that were covered by the FileMaker training series for instance about how the nuts and bolts of FileMaker works but after that Everything else then becomes another brand new space. It's a technique that, you know, you can look at the things, Jeremy, that you're really interested in at the moment in JavaScript that you've been bringing to the community for two years and more. For many people, that's way outside their comfort zone, but by taking the position that I will put myself somewhere in a space where I don't know everything and I've got to learn and it's all new and fresh, is, has there is a possibility that then I begin to accommodate that and finally I begin to assimilate that. So actually the knowledge that I don't have at the beginning, I, if you deliberately put yourself in a path that says, let me go to a space where I actually don't know things and see what I can learn, in the end you will learn that stuff, or there is a possibility at least that you will learn that stuff, and that increases your own pool of knowledge your own skill the way that you think about a problem is just as important as the the tools that you use to fix the problem or what the problem was in the first place from my perspective everybody should be encouraged to tinker from day one it should be learn the stuff and then immediately put the book down and see what else is possible and can be done and it's to be fair it's in some of those uh, those kind of weird and wacky techniques. What do we write down? Something like um, magic value list. It's not remotely, you would never get there by a logical step. It's a, it's a weird thing, but it's amazing in terms of what it can do. You may never use it from day to day other than kind of once every two years, but it's still a fantastic technique to understand and kind of have in your armory of things. The benefits to everybody of of an experimental and integrating approach, I think are enormous. Personally. Yeah,
0: I I like to see that. There is something to be said for learning as much about FileMaker as you can and sticking to that. But it's, you're right, you don't go past it. I like what you just said about Magic Value List. You don't get there logically through logical steps. There's nothing in the training series about that. It's by tinkering. By tinkering and playing with these, all of these blog posts that I read from people like, you know, Kevin Frank and Todd and, and, and so forth, they, they, they tinkered with it, right? They played with table occurrences, with scripts, with calculations until they got it to do what it, they wanted it to do, or they discovered something interesting and unique. Uh, That's, That's where the great breakthroughs come in. I you know, I remember Todd was talking on an episode about Selector Connector, how he was really trying to solve this problem and built this this data structure, this this relationship thing to to try to solve that problem. Jason Young was doing the same thing. They were just tinkering with it. It it's actually we don't use it anymore for most purposes. Card windows, which you love, came kind of wiped yeah. out that but their tinkering with it was valuable to them. And Todd doesn't regret spending time on selector connector because he learned something new and he he exposed some new concepts, some new
1: ideas that are in the FileMaker platform. The, well, the other the other thing Jeremy is that the as an educator, the purpose of learning is not to learn everything. It's to also understand which things are not valuable anymore. Sometimes you have to pursue all the way, you know, it's like an artist will spend a long time creating a piece of art and then go, no, that's terrible and throw it away. There is no personal sense of, oh, look at all the time I wasted doing that. Everything about that experience has a benefit somewhere else. So in the learning and the doing, you may end up, I agree, you know, Select con- was a was a thing of the moment, there are some, some people still using it. It's not quite the buzz that it used to be. That's fine, because in the process of learning it, so much other stuff was discovered, things around how do we test, how do we properly test the difference between 1,000 and 10,000 and a million iterations, for instance? What kind of graphs are useful to people in terms of working out how do we test this method of generating a list versus this method? That under certain circumstances, this is actually a better way to do it, and we discover the technique as part of something else. That then you transfer that knowledge. Um, I find it fascinating, personally.
0: It's it's great to hear that. I I think it just needs to be out there more. You want to experiment. You want to do that. Okay, so you 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 you're we're talking kind of high level about this. Give us some some concrete things that we could tinker with. You mentioned Decourt's OAuth file sample file. What else have you tinkered with recently? Where where else do you get these little sample files that you tinker
1: with and try? To- uh, so sorry if I'm about to reel off a list and I miss off you as a person and you're <laughs> listening to this podcast. It's not personal. There are some great blog blog posts from Soliant. Some of the team there are very clever and are very generous with their time. There have been posts um, from the Beeswax team, from DB Services, from Productive Computing, from Tim Chimbura, um, from those kind of people. Um, I find, to be fair, I find um, Chiyoko Ishido's Scoop It a brilliant source of All of the things that apparently she has time to find and I don't have time to read. Kevin Frank has been a staple for many years of of interesting stuff. Things that Seed Code uh, published a little more in the past when they were experimenting with some of those things. Things that Todd has published. I'm a subscriber to Matt Petrowski's video channel. I've been for years. That's about 10 things already. Some of those uh, get flagged up in various communities, there's the FileMaker community Claris community obviously but there are other communities that you may be a part of, people will post on there when they've got, basically people who blog always post somewhere because they want somebody to come and read it because what they're frightened of is having nobody watching them so all of, the, all of those are the kinds of places where people do a blog post that also have a sample file, um, because often what people are bringing in those kind of forum, in those kind of avenues, um, are a new technique or a kind of do- documented and defined technique. And the other place, obviously, is for the last three years, probably, what, what we did know as DevCon. Many of the sample files and videos have been published there. So Jesse Barnum did a great DevCon talk about integrating with Amazon AWS services. All his demo files are available. So you can watch the video that was an hour session and also download the files. Old DevCon sites or old DevCon resources are a good place as well. All of those. So like you, I have a hard drive full of FMP12 files and earlier. Modular FileMaker. .org was also a great site because people were deliberately sharing modules for us to download and integrate and hack into our own work. That's about twelve
0: things, yeah, isn't it? That's a lot. And I, when I try to answer question, when I answer questions on the forums, I try to add a sample file. Luckily, at this point, I've collected such a a wide range of files in this little databases folder that I can even if I can't give out that one specifically i can pull the data from it and yeah. and then use that i there's a a json test.fmb12 file that it's called that whenever i swear whenever someone asks a question about json i grab their object and i throw it into that file and i write a script or do a calculation or whatever and pass it back yeah. to them so i think yeah. i'm i'm kind of getting there to where i've got some sort of quote template sample files that focus on one specific topic and json is asked about a lot javascript is asked about a lot so yeah. i can kind of grab those um so you you're a teacher i'm a teacher uh it's it's amazing that you taught kindergarten i, I wonder how many kindergartners stacked vertically it would take to reach your, your <laughs> i was thinking about that <laughs> um, but but when, we, when we're when we're designing curriculum, we definitely have a start, a middle, and an end. We have a, a learning path that people can, that the students can take that makes sense. Is you know is is pulling sample files from everybody's site and from the forums? Does that create some sort of chaos for for FileMaker developers as they jump back and forth between these, or is it? is it okay to kind of get frenetic and like that and little, little, um, you know, just jumping between topics all the time.
1: So, so the but your personality affects this, doesn't it? I guarantee there are some FileMaker developers who will be listening to this, who download lots of sample files and have a drive with folders, which are all named and numbered by topic. And all the FileMaker files are stored in those folders they're not all in their downloads anymore okay that depends on how how you know how your personality affects you um but the but the issue is it's a bigger question though of can we learn from somebody else and something else and in what manner does that learning happen you mentioned on the forums i mean obviously i'm i contribute where, whenever i can on the forums too There are some people who ask questions and they're only interested in, please can you answer my question, I just need it fixed. Mm -hmm. They don't want to know what is the underlying problem and what should I learn to analyse so that if this comes up again but in a different space, I have understood A, what the problem is and B, generically, how to work out what an answer might Mm -hmm. be. So if you just go into it going, tell me things I need to know so I can do more, then you're not going to love this download everything and experiment. But if you understand that, there's a bonus and a benefit to you. In the analysis side of what we do, how do you analyze the problem that is in front of you? Um, So so the issue is, if you understand the technique that is available to you to deal with that issue right now, that's fine, go ahead and do it and get paid for doing it. The moment that problem is either too big or too complex or in a space that you don't know, that's where you need to have an armory of things. In my world, I just need to know that I've seen a technique somewhere. I saw a blog post somewhere. When I was studied English at uh, A-level in school, my English master, Mr. Yates, said to us one day, we were talking about Milton, uh, the poet John Milton, And the fact that in the 1600s was a time when knowledge, written knowledge and knowledge exploded, and Milton was possibly the last man alive to know everything that was known in the known world. He said, right, and we are talking now about the 1970s, before the internet existed. He said, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know where it is. Now we have a tool in front of us on our desktop every day that we know is rammed full of everything. The issue is, it's there somewhere, we just need to know how to find it. And so suddenly, all of the problems that I might face, somewhere there is likely to be an answer to help me. There may not be an answer that, will, that I can just copy-paste because my problem may be a very specific case, but there will certainly be knowledge that I can join with my own knowledge and somebody else's knowledge in a general way to create some building blocks to turn into what we call a solution to the to the problem, and so it might be by having to learn something like Java or JavaScript or C plus or some other language thing, or it might be by doing doing a course where we get to be a graphic, better graphic designer because we need to understand a little about CSS and that kind of stuff. It Whatever it is, and those are kind of computer-based things, like web-based things, there are other things as well. And in the techniques that people bring in those sample files, they're bringing a technique. So techniques like a virtual list, which is one that we all love to talk about, because those of us who use them understand just, again, just how powerful they are. If that's the right thing to help you get a quick win in your solution, doesn't mean you have to apply it every time, but you need to know that those kind of techniques are out there and also what are the pitfalls. This will work great, up to a thousand records. Beyond that, don't bother, um, that kind of thing. If you have an armory, it's like having a a bookshelf full of books, knowing that in there are things that will help you. My feeling is fill your hard drive with as much as possible, look at it, open it up, look at the scripts, Look at how other people... And that's everything from what people are doing to things like how other people are doing commenting, for instance. I've learned a lot from looking at other people's commenting about how to make my own commenting better. And I've adapted and, you know, we call it plagiarism, if you like, but just stealing the good stuff from other people to make what you're doing better seems to me what we're actually trying to encourage people to do. How do you... How do you keep track of
0: what you're learning or what you're what you're extracting from these files?
1: Um that's a good question. I have I have a growing I have my own starter file. It's called a new template now. It used to be called template, it's now called new template in which um I have a series of standard scripts and a set of standard custom functions that I will use and a few standard layouts and some tables that are already pre-named with all the fields that I might need. So I, even if I don't use that as a starting point, I just go to there because it's all done and I don't have to, you know. So I have a globals table with a set of fields. I have a virtual list table. I have a, I call it a shadow edit table, just full of global fields that are dates, names, and text. Copy, paste if I need to. So that that is that builds up over time. And in all the other kind of specialist areas, I think, I have a file like you. You have a file for JSON stuff. I have my own version of the ScriptMaster sample file that has over 800 functions in it that I've written over time, some of which I don't use anymore. But I know they're all tested. I think I, I did get this idea from Todd, to be fair, the idea that we should run tests and keep keep our tests and work out when test, when and why tests fail. So I have a file where I keep all my custom functions. They're all versioned. Um, And as well as the text of the custom functions, is a set of tests to run them. So that if I meet a place where the custom function for some reason doesn't work, what you do, first thing, go and write a new test, uh, change the custom function till the tests all pass, and then you can go, Okay, now this can be put back into production. And because the custom functions in the files that I use them in, I've got the version number in, I can tell easily which version we're on. So I, like you, I have a number of files which do that.
0: There's a, a new uh, site that that Todd and I are starting to use. He recommended it to me. It's called the Roam Research, R-O-A-M Research. And it's just- Okay. It's just a simple website. You sign up for an account and then you just get to make a bulleted list And you, because you're, you're, you know, searching the internet, you can um, link to different blog posts. What I like about it is you can, you know, you, you write up your notes, you basically just write up your notes and then you can start cross-referencing things inside of your Rome research site to each other. Um, So, you know, as I prepare for podcast episodes, I put all my questions there and I link to like your DevCon sessions, to your site, to blog posts that people have written so that I can refer back to them. So that's, that's one tool I'm starting to use that helps me to, you know, write down because I can learn all the cool things about a particular file, like how someone comments in there. But if I don't record that somewhere, I will forget about it in three days. Right. Or I'll never find it in my, in my big file, uh, my big folder of, of files. So I would recommend people start extracting something out and then jotting it down somewhere in a in a notebook in a journal somewhere where they can keep track, where they can go and go. You know what? Ah, I want to look up everything that I I studied about comments or everything I learned about comments. And so you you know you go to your own research or your database and you type in comments and you find all the places that you have
1: written down something about comment. Yeah. That's an example. Okay. Now I I can so. The opposite of that is the end result of if you don't if you're not quite so intentional about doing that. I know that somewhere on one of on several of my computers is a file from years ago that somebody created which just ran through sending an email using the FileMaker SMT script script steps, but with all possible variations, setting TLS, turning it off, setting SSL, turning it off, to using different ports and logging all of the answers and it was a fantastic to be able to say so does this work on gmail or does this work on some other mail service i do know it's there somewhere i haven't used it for years um i can't tell you where it is though but i do know i've had it in the past okay. it's fine if one day i can remember what the file name is or if i go on the forums and ask somebody else can anybody remember what this file was yeah. and they'll go oh yeah it's that so from my perspective, I need to work with somebody who's better organised at that stuff than like you are than I am. <laughs> well, I
0: didn't say I was organised.
1: I just said that's a way to do it. <laughs> that's that's really good. Well, the, clearly the issue here is, as an educator, you're going to say whatever works for you. Create a, get whether it's a physical notebook or a, a website that does a link, or you know, putting it into folders or. Like my, like I say, my technique mostly when it's things that I'm stuff that I definitely want to use is I generate a file that I build. So I have a file I said to you the other week. I have a file that has everything you could possibly do with a document um, into a container. Do you want to replace it? Do you want to version it? Do you want to swap it out? Do you want to, you know, just stick it in a big pile and whatever? I
0: think. I'm interested to see what you have to say. We, we at Geist Interactive here, we have definite thoughts about learning, about what to learn, about things like that. Do you think people can afford not to tinker? I know that that is personality-based. I really get that. But even within your, if if you're a FileMaker developer who, who works between 9 and 5, 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., yeah. even in that time, you can still wander down some paths, right? So people... Yes. Can people afford to not tinker and just go the logical path to learning
1: stuff or to picking up techniques? That's a really good question, Jeremy. So I've got this written down here. 2002, Donald Rumsfeld talked about known unknowns and unknown unknowns, right? It's quite a famous speech he gave. Go and look it up on Wikipedia. That is based on... Some work that was done in the 1950s by two psychologists, uh Lucht and Ingram. Ingram, I think it is. And it's it's known as the Jihari window. Okay. Simple matrix, four boxes. Across the top, things I know, things I don't know. Down the left, things somebody else knows, at the bottom, things somebody else doesn't know. And it was it's around Uh, It can be used in many situations. The things that you know and the things that I know are the arena in which we work, okay? Okay. The things that I don't know but you know are either a blind spot for me or an opportunity for growth because I don't know them but you do. Um, In the bottom left are things that I know that you don't know. And for me, that at the moment is an advantage, It may be a commercial advantage. It may be a technical advantage. But at some point, you can get to know them and move those things up into the general arena. And in the bottom right is stuff that I don't know and you don't know. And it's just kind of, we'll regard it as outer space. But maybe maybe there's something in there. So the question is, what do you do with that top right spot? Do you kind of go, there's something that I don't know, but so other people know. How do I view that? And it might genuinely be a blind spot because there's things that you don't know that other people do. You're, I don't know, you're doing a long-winded thing. You're doing something very slowly. You're doing something in a way which isn't really helping the customer. You're using methods which are designed to fail after 50,000 records are in the system because you haven't bothered or are not inclined or haven't had the time or the motivation to say, what don't I know here? but the other thing for me is that is the that's where the opportunity yeah. for growth comes yeah. that that's saying personally i like to think i'm clever i may or may not be but it's a personal i want to feel in my life that i'm clever but there's no assumption at all that i remotely know everything in fact on many levels i'm deeply insecure about what i do know but i do know that there's stuff that other people know and the more that i can piggyback onto what other people know the better it will be for me, either as a person or as a developer or as a company or as to what else. It's about saying other people know things that you don't know. Well, find an opportunity to learn what those are because it's like the first time you discover one of those techniques, how to do transactions through setting a global field in a relationship that doesn't work until the field is set, right? The minute you understand that and suddenly you've opened the door to transactions, Actually, that does make you give you the potential at the very least to make you a better programmer, doesn't it? Because you have another tool in your armoury, and it might be the very tool that will make whatever you're working on right now faster, quicker, better, more secure, more stable you know, la 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 whatever, whatever, whatever measuring stick you're using. And I think that's why it's really important. To to say tinkering is part of my mentality because I'm moving myself to this space where there's an opportunity for growth.
0: And in this in this world of us competing for jobs, having you know, having techniques that make sure a client's data either all gets created or none of it gets created is kind of a valuable thing, right? So if you have that tech if you have that skill then you're probably going to be more desirable than, than one who doesn't. And, and you, yes. you picked up that skill because you were reading blog posts, you saw a tweet about it and you were like, Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to take a look. And that gets added to your tool belt. Right. So yeah. it's good. You're going to be a better programmer, but you're also going to be more successful <laughs> with your job, with your business. Right. Um, People come to us now because we we can build them dashboards with with JavaScript we have recently for one of our clients put together a, a 15 chart dashboard running off the same data it's it's all JavaScript and yeah. that was a technique that I just you know I started back four or five years ago just on a tinkering kind of attitude just I didn't have work to do that day so I I started to uh, try to study the JavaScript stuff. It had actually nothing to do with the work that I was given, you know, in in the past. And, and so, shortly after that, it was just something I totally needed to, I wanted to, to understand. So, um, and, and, you know, I've spoken to DevCon for, about it. Uh, I've written many blog posts about it and build dashboards for people who are interested in JavaScript stuff. So.
1: Yeah. It's, there's there's a bit about i'm always fascinated um by measuring sticks okay. by you know by what measuring stick do we measure two things the outside quality and scope of our work and our internal quality and work what what measuring sticks do we use and if our measuring stick is it works and it's good enough um the problem is that in the world that we are situated With a rate of change which is exponentially increasing, there's every chance that may not be good enough even by tea time. (laughs) You know, in a in a competitive, you know, you're right. There's a level at which we we are collaborating with each other's, but in a competitive space. Where on a commercial level, what is our competitive advantage? Now, it may be specialist knowledge. So you're down a little rabbit hole, and you're the only person doing that. So you're like the little machine shop that's, you know, I don't know, re-grinding valves for VA engines. You've got specialist knowledge and nobody else can really do that. And that's fine until that specialist bit of knowledge is no longer needed. Yeah. Um I've I've been through a work environment several times in my career where things that I used to do for a living don't even exist anymore. I used to make 35 millimeter slides for conferences. a living Mm -hmm. and i can point to the year when within six months everybody who i worked with in that particular industry all of our work went away because of the advent of three gun projectors literally within six months a business had disappeared it's not the first time that i've experienced that and so we have to be prepared that the world in which we live now isn't the world that everybody else is going to inhabit tomorrow and that's everything from smart young kids coming out of Harvard designing web-based things like, I don't know, Uber or whatever, to um, to other developers learning how to join three things together and suddenly um, being able to produce a fantastic result for a customer. Everybody else sees it and goes, that's what I want. And you say, oh, sorry, I can't do that. And you're sort of out in the cold yeah. a little bit. I,
0: you're right. There, There's... I. The business aside, business ideas aside, sure, you, we all want our business to be successful, but I like what you said previous to that is that just ultimately we're better programmers because we are exploring techniques that other people have discovered and at least it lodges a little kernel in our brain. Um, we may not have it all figured out by then, but if a project comes to us and we have tinkered with something. We we can go back to that that little technique, and incorporate it into our into our project. So overall, it just makes you a better programmer.
1: So the other thing is the the most recent or some of the most recent PR advertising publicity from Claris. This the the thing around we are for the problem solvers. One of one of the issues I think. So I'm not. You're right. There's a, on one level the job that we do is a kind of programming job. It's a no-code, low-code, sling, sling it all together code, along with some other things that we might have to learn. But if we, if we also just sort of jo- and ju- just as a pejorative word, if we just think our job is programming, then that's what we'll learn to do, and hopefully we'll learn to be really, really good programmers. But this is in the context of us being a problem solver. Um, and maybe we'll sit there and say, oh, I'm not very good at solving problems. Somebody That's somebody else in the company. They're good at doing that. But what we are doing every day is solving problems for customers. And so the first thing is that requires that we become adept at understanding what the problem is to then say, and here's maybe the best methodology for doing that. We can write a fantastic database and... If the people who are doing the data entry are slap happy about what, you know, the number of times, Jeremy, that you will have been to a database and seen an email address in the phone number field, I guarantee is more than one, okay, where you have seen people who've copied and pasted the company name from the internet, and that's why it's 24 point and red and bold. And so when somebody goes to print out a label, they worry why it's 24 point and red and bold and not. 12-point aerial and black. All of those kinds of things, that is a a kind of problem, understanding what that problem is. Every time we put a person in front of our database, there's the scope for things to be messed up. So seeing that that is part of a problem and understanding how to deal with that problem um, is... Is a key part of them needing to understand what kind of programming we need to do to um, to address that and preferably to make the experience better for the customers that we work for
0: I know this is this is completely your opinion, but give us five or six things that people should tinker with in the next week doesn't matter the skill level who you're speaking to just give us some things that people can seek out and tinker
1: with okay so it- So something that I I'm starting to properly I'm starting to implement a little and starting to use. So I'm going to pose a scenario to you that uh, my theory is that customers doing data entry is a is a very low quality job, okay, and you shouldn't in the main have any fields on a layout that that a customer can just enter a piece of data into, okay. And therefore you need to do that in a controlled way. So for example, there is no point having a record which has no company, no email, and no phone number if that is your chosen scenario. It makes no sense to have a record that just has Fred in it, right? So um, so tinkering with, if you said all of the fields on my layout are locked for browse mode, You can't just go and enter into it, and you have to create a controlled method of data entry slash data edit. So that can be, anybody can enter data, but only a senior manager manager could could edit it. Um, And I'm going to say that the thing you should tinker with is starting with that as a problem and thinking that card windows give you an amazing way to control the process by locking people into a controlled process, yeah. but that you also have to be able to give them the option to undo all of the changes that they just made or not apply the changes, okay? There's something to tinker with because it's a multivariant problem that actually can be applied in many systems once you've begun to work out how you might solve that. So that's everything from... Um, on the basis of a drop-down list, having fields that are optional. So if it's a company, you want to know their tax number field and their company number field, but if it's a personal record, you don't. Um, if it's this kind of field, you might have a second email address. So, you know, those kind of things become possible, so you can create a rich interface from that. So first of all, that involves tinkering with card windows. That involves tinkering with how might you, how might global fields help you here, Tinkering with the transactional nature of something, tinkering with how to revert a record um, when you don't want the changes to stick, tinkering with um, hide conditions, tinkering with magic value list because on the basis of one dropdown, you might choose another dropdown. Um, How to assign a company when the company's list has 5,000 companies in it, so a dropdown list actually doesn't work because it's ridiculous, because you can't find, nobody can scroll through 5,000 values. There's, you know, so that's more than just, oh, here's one little thing to tinker with. That's, that's create a problem yeah, that's and go, oh, there's lots of things in there. So you could be using virtual list, hide conditions and card windows, uh, scripted transactions and revert and cancel. And um, uh, that's something to tinker with. Yes. Set up a set up a problem like that to, to be able to change my interface to in you know, a in a kind of radical way. I think all the things we've you know, I do think if people are not into it, considering transactions and learning how transactions work is a good thing. The other thing I think is worth tinkering with is can you make your script more modular? Can you find a way to first of all Get better at passing parameters around with JSON as your method for passing parameters around because that's now standard to everybody and it means everybody else could help you with it. But also, yeah, what else could you do to make your code? Could you get rid of... Take a file and say, set yourself a target and see if you can get rid of five scripts or 10 scripts by considering that what you've actually done is do the long-winded version of it and maybe there's a slightly better way to do it by reusing a script or passing it different parameters so that all the logic about you know, everything to do with this little section is contained in one script or two scripts, not 10. So tinker with how many scripts could you remove? Tinker with just picking anything that's sort of... Go to Modular file Maker or one of those places where somebody said, here's, here's some functionality. Tinker with, I don't need this, but but can I work out how easy it is to put something that somebody else has written into what I've done so what would I have to do I'd have to go and change their naming convention maybe or their parameter convention or something so start with the file tinker with it till it till you really could just copy and paste it into yours change the name of their tables change the name of the fields and see what else you could employ would be the correct word as a little feature whether that's some kind of picker or a popover or a, uh, something else. I I appreciate I, the work-based tinkering
0: idea, but I'm really upset that you did not mention JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> but, but
1: Jeremy, why why would I need to do that? Because you do it all the time, and we all know that you're going to. That that's that's those are all so true. Yeah. <laughs> the, the The issues are so. The issues are. I've started with things that are what we'll call core FileMaker things. They're in the program. If you've got 18, all of that stuff is in the program. Okay, You don't have to learn something else. Start there. What what? You, I think you would, and I would, agree on the fact that once you have started on a path which is more open and inclusive of the idea that we'll just go and experiment... First of all, you stop being frightened of things that you don't know, and then the move to things which are a- another step outside your experience become a lot easier. So that does involve other language-based things, whether that's JavaScript. Honestly, or- having a good support system is really
0: key to this. I I benefited from having so many people around me in my uh, in the work that I've done in my. Professional development shops here to to support me to um, tinker around, right? So that's that's extremely valuable to have someone to bounce ideas off of to get some feedback from. I wish that there were more of a stand, a a more of a a a system in place for that uh, within our community. Uh, People who are in-house developers don't necessarily have people to turn to and, and get encouraged with their
1: tinkering so
0: i I agree i had that support system
1: yeah i i I agree that you know from my perspective as i said right at the beginning it's part of my dna so i can't not do it if you see what i mean i understand if there's no encouragement or you you know part, part of the issue is where do you go if it doesn't work and obviously frankly everybody who publishes something on the internet is open to you going and asking them a question about it
0: sure you know, so and I will, I was being a little bit flippant with the JavaScript idea, but it's actually no, no. It's actually good to think of a problem. Like date range pickers are examples of something that you could build in FileMaker. You could also build JavaScript. So just tinker around with that, you know, take your time to develop it in both areas and see which one you like better works better for your use case for, for your ne- for your need.
1: Yeah. I, um, as you know, it's available still through the community. I think it's on my LinkedIn page. But I, I published a card window-based yep. date picker um, a couple of years ago. And it was one of the most satisfying things was the following year to go to DevCon and be approached by three people who each said, oh, I, I loved what you did. I adapted it by doing this with it. Mm-hmm. That that was infinitely better than, than just saying, oh, I I took it and I worked with it, it was great, thank you very much. But actually saying, I took it and I adapted it in this way is exactly the reason why, in my case, I published that. Because not just, oh, John's a clever guy, but you want other people to have a step up into the learning process. And I think, again, that's what adapting and adopting other people's sample files does, is it gives you an instant step up into something and there is... Not a well-organized support system, yes, but you can always go to the community website and ask questions, and somebody will pick up an answer on it. And the more people do it, the more it becomes a place where we're, you know, we're kind of back to here's the thing I've got a bit of a problem with it. What are the what are the solutions? Because finding out there's five solutions to your problem is much better than finding there's none. What are you tinkering with right now? What have you done the last week? That's-
0: off the beaten path, it's not the logical path.
1: Oh, not the logical path. Um, I'm doing a piece, I'm doing some work at the moment. We, I work, several of my clients are in higher education in the UK and um, we've had a change in the way that the, the kind of monitoring of higher education works because essentially, while the government don't fund it directly, they do through student loans. And as a result, They have a right to want to know what's going on with the money and how people are progressing. Uh, And we're in the middle of a massive change to how all of that reporting works. Um, But it's all done by submitting an XML file to a gateway. I developed a file to to do, it's called a return, to do the return um, for a number of customers last year. But every year, there's a move to add new things or to change the structure of how it works. So my kind of outside of the box is I now need to, I now know what I need to change, but it's deployed in three or four or five files. And how do I, how do I do that piece of work in a way which is seamless to do the updating that needs to be done where some of it is adding and some of it is taking away and some of it is adding to tables which are tables which drive value lists, um, and how to log that that's been done and so you know what versions things are on because you never do that until version two because on version one, you just were happy to get it out of the door. Mm -hmm. So I've been looking at how to automate as much of that as possible in as as simple a way as possible. That's what I've been tinkering with for last week. That also applies to a piece of software I've written for us to be able to um, submit tax returns to the government, which is a separate project. The same thing needs to be done. I need to update some parts of the code. So I'm looking at you know everything from how to employ the data migration tool in a way which you can just send somebody else a file that would run to, been looking at Otto, to be fair, looking at things that seed code do about the way they document, how you make changes to Dayback, which is a very interesting programme that sometimes you have to make manual changes to. And is that possible? So, yeah, so that's that's what I've been tinkering with this week is how to how to make that work and program it in such a way that, because obviously the last thing you need to do is to change somebody's file and find out you haven't done it properly <laughs> when there's data involved. So.
0: Well, John, um, we're coming up to the end of our time. You want to <coughs> get home, so we'll uh, wrap up here. But um, where can people find you and reach out to you with, questions
1: so so i'm uh, i'm on the filemaker community i'm on twitter is my main uh, work outlet attitude which is att underscore it underscore ude E. Uh, I'm on twitter I also you can find me on linkedin as well so s- stuff because i don't you know i don't have a website with a blog because we're a small place and not a big company um but I, I have published a number of articles through LinkedIn, so you can find me. I'm just uh, John Renfrew uh, on there. Those those are the main places to find me, or ask somebody else that knows me because <laughs> um, lots of people do at least know who I am. So. Wonderful.
0: Well, we didn't. I wanted to. We didn't get to talk about um, your DevCon session. I, I was really interested in talking with you about uh, card windows and modular programming. You did mention it here. I appreciate that. So I think we'll have you come back on because yeah. when I think of John, Redfield, your name, I think of card windows because you have done a lot of tinkering with those. That's, so
1: we'll, that is correct. Yeah. We'll,
0: yeah, we'll get you back on to talk about that. You have found the smallest one that you can do on any device. You have probably found the largest one, you know, everything. So I will. Uh, we'll, we'll have you back on and we'll talk card windows soon. That'd be, that'd be great. Thank you.
1: So let me me finish with my favourite quote of all time. In times of change, learners will inherit the earth, while the learned will find themselves beautifully equipped to live in a world that no longer exists. Um, That's from a book by Eric Hoffer in 1973, Reflections on the Human Condition he talks about the fact that uh, w- what the place of educators is to do is to put in both the will and the facility for learning, but it's not just about producing learned people, but people who are lifelong learners. Um, so, uh,
0: it, I, that, I, that's it, very important I, to us because we are, <laughs> we are in a platform
1: that is changing. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Right now, right? So,
1: And, and there will be a lot of people who are, not comfortable with that because they're not that comfortable with change and the change particularly when the change is enforced from the outside and we're dealing with all the other change in our personal life and our family lives and our children's lives and everything so it's not a comfortable place to be but I do believe that taking on the role of a learner and seeing yourself as having a need for lifelong learning um, will really help just navigate through that kind of minefields very good well thank you john i appreciate your time no thank you jeremy it's been good fun seems to have gone very quickly but uh, let's see (laughs)
0: yeah it's been a little over an hour here so uh very good well i will see you at Claris Engage this year and i'm sure and uh we'll get you on to talk about uh card windows sometime soon too okay brilliant thank you jeremy thanks very much and that brings us to the end of another episode of the context podcast Thank you to my guest, John Renfrew, for bringing this topic to us and for illustrating the importance of tinkering in our platform. We encourage everyone to tinker, to download files from our blog posts, as well as any other FileMaker blog site out there or from the community. Download them, play with the file and technique, and somehow log your tinkering so that you can easily retrieve it. Please take a moment to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your listening platform of choice, and reach out to us at support at with topic ideas or suggestions. Until next week, remember, the Context Podcast is king.